This is Dr. Sean Canone, and welcome to this week's podcast. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a different direction and talk a bit about documentation. Now, this is not meant to be a comprehensive view of documentation in any way, but rather a practical approach, looking at some pearls with regard to documentation, especially in the long-term care post-acute care setting. It's amazing how much documentation has changed over the years. I've got a very interesting perspective on this because my father was a family physician in a typical office practice. He began practicing in the mid-1970s, and so when I was a young boy, I would spend time with him at the office, get to know his patients, watch him perform his craft. And in 1995, when I was partway through medical school and began my clinical rotations, I had a chance to spend a significant amount of time in his office with him, learning and and, uh, seeing these patients from a different point of view. It was then that I realized how much things had really changed from the 1970s into the 1990s. I would look at his progress notes, and his old progress notes would typically be one line. It would have the patient's name, maybe a, a vital sign or two, what their chief complaint was, and what his treatment was. So literally, the progress notes were one line. Sore throat, penicillin times seven days, whatever it might be. And so things have changed quite a bit since then, obviously. But as we think about providing good quality of care for patients in today's healthcare system, we think in terms of the triple aim. Triple aim is improving clinical outcomes, reducing unnecessary cost, and improving or enhancing patient experience. And when you think about those three domains, my father did a great job of that. Even though the documentation was one line, he provided a great service for his patients, excellent clinical outcomes at a much lower cost, and he gave a fantastic experience, sometimes taking care of multiple generations within a family. And this was accomplished because he knew them so well, and he took care of most every need that they had. And so things changed when managed care came into play, And when managed care came, it really fractured the provider-patient relationship overnight. It pulled people away from their longtime primary care providers and put them into practices with physicians who really had no knowledge or experience with them. And so documentation really became a much more important thing at that point because you had to communicate then with a lot of strange clinicians that would be involved in the care of a particular patient. It was also at this time when payers started to demand a higher level of documentation when they would audit visits that they were paying for, and they would want proof that you had done the work that you claimed to do. In essence, the healthcare relationship became much more transactional rather than relational. And this is an unfortunate shift in the U.S. healthcare system, which occurred, and it's really led to a lot of the problems that we see in healthcare today. And so bringing healthcare back to a more relational foundation is critical. But unfortunately, in this transactional world we live in, documentation is a very key component of what we do. When you think about it, all of healthcare really comes down to the patient-provider experience. And within that visit, what is happening? What kind of decisions are being made? What change in therapy is being ordered? How is the patient responding to these things? And there really is no other way to know that and communicate that than through very good documentation. 
So in our current context, there are really four main views on documentation. And so it's not as simple as saying, what do I document? It really demands a deeper question, which is, who is reading my documentation? Who is auditing this chart? Because when you look at the four main viewpoints of documentation, they're very different. So one is the payer, which we mentioned just a moment ago. Our documentation is really the proof of the work that we've done so that we can justify the payment that's coming from the payer. And so they have very clear guidelines about what needs to be seen in a note before they'll reimburse for activity. The second are other healthcare professionals. So documentation is a way to communicate with one another in the healthcare field, and this is a very important aspect of documentation. So not only should our documentation speak clearly to the payer, it should speak clearly and be helpful to other healthcare professionals who may be looking in and trying to understand what you did at a particular patient encounter. The third is the employer. And so within healthcare, most clinicians are now employed, and that employer takes on the risk of sending a bill, collecting for professional activity, and has to ensure that these various components of documentation quality are met so that the company can remain whole and remain in compliance. And then finally, the fourth party are lawyers or regulators. And we have to know that the progress notes that we construct may be read at some point by a state surveyor, by some other regulator, or by an attorney. And that may be in the course of litigation. And so we want to ensure that our notes are clear and accurate and they depict very well the encounter that we had with a patient on a given visit. So keeping this in mind, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the statement that if it wasn't documented, it wasn't done? And I know that this is a common part of training and documentation, but that question is actually more complicated than we give it credit for. And so if you're smart, you're saying to yourself at this time, well, if there are four different views on my progress note, a payer, another healthcare professional, an employer, a lawyer, then it should be evident that sometimes the answer to this question is true, and sometimes the answer to this question is false. Let me just take you through that rationale. So for a payer, the answer is true. If it wasn't documented, it wasn't done. When a payer audits a progress note, it's a very objective process. They're looking for some very specific criteria that need to be in that progress note to justify the level of coding and billing that took place. It's also true then for employers because employers are mandated to maintain quality and compliance with these payer standards. And so they have to hold accountable their healthcare professionals to these same types of criteria. But the answer is really false when it comes to how we communicate with other healthcare professionals within a medical record, as well as with lawyers and regulators. So you know that there's a lot that you do in caring for a patient that isn't documented. It's just impractical. We would be documenting 24 hours a day if we wanted to capture everything that we did for every patient. So we know that other healthcare professionals are the same way. Sometimes that demands that we actually talk with other healthcare professionals and fill in some of the gaps that may be missing from a progress note. Now when it comes to attorneys and regulators, it's important that 
we never agree to the statement, if it wasn't documented, it wasn't done. Because there are many things that are done in the day-to-day care of a patient, the interaction with patients and families that don't appear in the medical record per se. And even within the context of a single visit, there are probably things that were discussed or other findings that were not documented in your progress note. So all of these things, along with even our own individual personalities, make documentation something that's very difficult to standardize. No two providers necessarily do it the same way, and no two people always agree on interpretation of regulations and the actual content of a given note. So what are some high-level goals for documentation? First, we want to establish medical necessity. It's very important, especially in our environment, that we think about establishing medical necessity in a very different way than maybe it even happens in a traditional office setting. For example, over the past 20 to 25 years, there's been a big shift in the way that visits get done in a skilled nursing facility. Traditionally, Patients were seen once a month by the physician, and now there are multiple physicians in skilled nursing facilities and also advanced practice providers who assist these physicians in patient care. For the most part, this increase in clinical visits has been a welcome thing because the complexity of patients has gone up so much over the past 20 to 25 years. In other words, there is a lot of medical necessity in our environment because patients are so ill. They have so many chronic conditions, they're on so many medications, and their clinical risk is very high. But there are also reasons for why this can be abused in the long-term care, post-acute care setting that you're probably all too familiar with. And we've seen this, many of us in our practices, where you see other providers who are really pushing the envelope and maybe uh, inventing medical necessity where there really isn't any present. And the reason why there's questioning from payers around skilled nursing facility visits in particular because these visits are typically clinician-driven. It's not as common in our setting that a patient will say, hey, can you come and see me tomorrow? I'm having a problem. Instead, we typically prompt these visits and schedule follow-ups and know that we need to see them on a a routine basis to manage the complexity of their illness. The second reason why these visits are often questioned is because these patients are a captive audience. They are typically a long-term population, and they're always there. We're not depending on them to come to an office setting or take the initiative to come and have clinical care delivered. Third, many of them are cognitively impaired, And so they are not necessarily issuing chief complaints in a traditional sense. And oftentimes they don't have the ability to defend themselves cognitively and say, I really don't want to see you today. And finally, many of our patients have no financial skin in the game, so to speak. They don't have co-pays, and so they don't necessarily resist visits because of a cost constraint. Therefore, we must establish medical necessity clearly in the HPI, and often the assessment and the plan informs our HPI. So if you're seeing a patient for one particular condition and it's a medically necessary visit, along the course of that visit, other things may come up and the patient may start to then issue new chief complaints. And these should then be put back into the HPI 
so we can create a narrative that flows from the beginning of the note to the end of the note with all of these individual patient complaints. The second goal of documentation, in addition to establishing medical necessity, is communication. So we're communicating with all four of those entities we mentioned earlier. We want our communication to be clear, accurate, concise, and specific. And we also want to be careful to not engage in inflammatory conversation or remarks within the medical record, which really don't relate specifically to the care that we're providing the patient at that time. The third big objective or goal for documentation, in addition to establishing medical necessity, communicating very clearly, is the compensation piece. Here we have to make sure that we're following clear CMS guidelines or payer guidelines with regard to the necessary content of a progress note to justify a particular code and billing practice. And so like I said at the beginning, this is not a lot of new information for you, but rather a practical look at documentation. And let me just close with a few tips. So first, always connect the HPI to the plan. Make sure that there's a narrative that connects the beginning of the progress note to the end. Next, always try to explain risk and complexity. Don't assume that the person who's reading or auditing your progress note will understand the things that you do as a clinician. Oftentimes, those who are auditing progress notes for payers are lay people. They don't have a lot of clinical understanding or have a clinical experience with patients like those whom you care for. This is also true in legal contexts where a jury of lay people may be reviewing the work that you've done and the particular interactions that you've had with a patient. So make sure that you've explained very clearly the kinds of risks and complexities that you're facing in that case. Next, be cautious about inflammatory documentation. I mentioned this earlier, but know that in the long-term care, post-acute care setting, there is a quality assurance realm. So don't avoid bringing these things to someone's attention or documenting them, but think about ways to do this in a realm of quality assurance where you can correct issues and still be on the record, so to speak, with the findings that you've made. Next, use templates within the electronic medical record that are developed and fine-tuned over time because these really do help you to focus in on the key components of a visit and the documentation that's required to justify billing and coding. Next, be consistent in the format and the language you use within your progress notes. It'll help you to standardize your approach to documentation and minimize the chances that you may forget to put something into the note that's essential. Next, at least satisfy the payer. So while we may not have enough time to think about all the different audiences that could be reading and auditing our progress note, at least put in all the necessary components to justify the code that you're billing. This will make sure that the payers, when they audit our records, are satisfied. Finally, never stop growing. So continue to learn, to be educated, to grow in our proficiency at documentation, and share, educate others as you come up with good ways to approach documentation that help you to be more efficient, but also more complete and accurate. This has been a very basic overview of documentation, but I hope some of the practical pointers and perspectives are helpful to you in your practice. Have a great day.